Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show <laughs> Listen, it is cold I am not gonna lie In Trashcan Studios, it is cold Officially winter has come through And uh, I'm freezing my tukis off Alright But, with that being said I got a hot, hot show We're gonna do a little bit of everything today We're gonna go through some controversy And you know what? I haven't done this in a while, but I'm actually going to take the time today to prove to you beyond the shadow of a doubt that as crazy as you might think I am, as off the wall as I might seem to be, I am not crazy. I am not. And maybe, maybe that my way of thinking, as kind of peculiar as it may be, if I'm using that word correctly, like I just see things differently. And I am not blinded by the results. And I think since I started this um, a year ago, I've realized that the national media, uh, ESPN, Fox Sports, all these different outlets who portray the idea of we are experts and we do this and we go deeper into the game. And you got these former players that come on and they do all this stuff. And yep, they're experts for sure because they've done it. And I know I've never played football at a high level. My highest level of football was Pop Warner. At uh, 12 years old. (laughs) But they are so results-based that they based all of their opinions, all of their analysis, everything on the result. Which to me seems absolutely backwards because you don't get the result without putting in the work. And sometimes, use the Minnesota Vikings this year as a perfect example. I think last year they lost like uh, seven one-score games, and this year they've won like seven one-score games. Sometimes you could be doing everything right, and hey, man, you just get a bad break. It's just one of those years. You see it all the time. You see one of those years where things just fall right. You know what I mean? For example, 2014 Ohio State, when the uh, first ever college football playoff, when you look at that team going into it, you lost your starting quarterback in Braxton Miller. Your backup, JT Barrett, came in, played great. Then he breaks an ankle. Last last game of the year against Michigan, you got your third string guy coming in, and all of a sudden, hey, things they're just going your way. You end up beating Alabama, you beat Oregon, you win the national title. No one can explain it. You come back the next year, you know, it's not the same. Like it's just one of those years. Like it's just going well for you. But let's listen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's intro this thing. Welcome back, Cyber Family. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Thanks for joining. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! So as I was saying, I'm not a results-based person. I don't make my opinions based on results. Like, I can say a player is really good, and even if the results don't show it, I still stand firm on that because sometimes... There's other factors other than just your ability to outright play. For example, a perfect example of me is Justin Herbert, right? You hear questions all year long. Oh, have we anointed him too soon? Is he he worthy of all the praise he's getting? 1,000%. Because if you lined up all the quarterbacks in the NFL and had a skills competition, you're not going to find four quarterbacks better than Justin Herbert in terms of just sheer talent. You're not. So now they go to the second thing. What do they always look at? Results. Well, he's got a losing record as a starting quarterback. I'm sorry. What is his job? Does he play defense? Does he play special teams? 
Does he have to catch the ball? Does he have to run the ball? Does he have to block for anybody? No. A quarterback can be great on a bad team. It happens. Just because the team doesn't win doesn't mean the player or the players aren't any good. Right? Like, it boggles my mind how obviously it's just results-based. And it's like, you're a dodo. You know what? I'm getting ahead of myself again. <laughs> because I actually did a little bit of, uh, during the, the show prep, I looked up some numbers because I had a thought. I'm going to bring up an oldie but goodie because I want to prove to you I'm not crazy. Okay? I'm not crazy. I'd be knowing what I'm talking about. I'd be right. Let's start with some quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. So I'm hearing a lot of rumblings. Uh, there's a lot of talk going around in the NBA about the Knicks uh, potentially being interested in Anthony Davis in a trade. If Anthony Davis becomes available, if the Lakers decide they want to move off him, there is some rumors going around that the Knicks could be probably the best option, mainly because they have so, so much draft capital that they would be like the ideal suitor, right? And, and they keep throwing Julius Randle's name in the mix. I get because maybe he's the only viable option for a trade. Like the only thing maybe worth it. Because, you know, you just re-signed RJ Barrett. So you can't trade him yet. And you can't trade Brunson. But whatever. But my question is, why would anybody want Anthony Davis? At this point, why would you want him? Now, here's, here's the reason why I say why would you want him. Because the Lakers gave up a boatload to get him. Right? So if you give up a boatload to get Anthony Davis and then three years later you want to move off him, why? If you gave up so much to get him and now you're ready to let him go, why is that? If he's what you thought he was, your franchise centerpiece, the guy that could carry the load, the guy that could carry the Lakers into the new era post-LeBron, then why are you giving him up? It's a clear indication that you don't believe he is that. And we've all seen him be injured, right? Repeatedly. Missed time. Repeatedly not show up to the degree where you think he he should repeatedly so if i'm the knicks i stay away from that completely i don't want no parts of it as a fan i get at his best at his absolute best anthony davis can be unbelievably good but let's be honest how often are you getting his best seven eight times in the 82 game season where you get his best it's not worth it don't blow up what you got you got a good nucleus i think julius Randle is absolutely embodying everything you want as a knicks fan he's playing hard he's playing defense he seems absolutely committed he's not a crybaby. like come on like i feel like he's doing he's exactly what you want him to be for the knicks Next, I want to talk about Jeff Saturday. He won his first game as a head coach of the Indianapolis Colts amidst a lot of controversy about his hiring. Now, I don't know all the details, I guess, because he was hired as the interim coach. They didn't have to go through a full job search like by the rules. They didn't have to interview anybody or interview candidates because he's just interim coach. But I guess they could promote him to head coach without having to. do. I don't know. But either way. I know the conversation is about how it's not fair and it's, it's kind of why do you give this guy a chance? He's coming off the street. He's never been a coach at any level outside of high school. And my question is, I have two I have two questions about it. Number one, let's go with just the football, the football side of it before we get to the risque. Um, isn't this what we want? I know I, for one, was complaining uh, in the offseason about how teams keep hiring the same coaches, the same guys. Like, why is Josh McDaniel a head coach again? Like, you know what I mean? Like, all these guys keep getting recycled. If Mike McCarthy gets fired from the Cowboys, he's going to get hired by somebody else. 
They just keep recycling the same coaches, going to the same well, going to the same colleges. Like, it's almost like, hey, you're just in, in, in a pattern. And I said, we, somebody needs to think outside the box and just do something crazy and go off the beaten path and think differently. And that's what the Colts did. So at the end of the day, isn't this kind of what we want? Giving opportunities to guys who maybe, quote unquote, haven't or don't deserve it. You know what I mean? The, the good old boys club where you got in with this guy and then you linked up with that guy. And now you got association with that guy. You got all these connections that got you the job. Don't we want just hire the guy who you think is going to do the best job not the guy that you feel like who knows the guy whatever like you know what i mean let's get out of that out of that stuffy like routine that they've been in for so long i think that's what you would want right like if if somebody came up and said hey let's give Deion sanders a head coaching job in the nfl like would you be mad at wouldn't you be like yeah go ahead try it see what happens try something different so on that side of it, I feel like instead of complaining about it, being mad about it, saying he doesn't, he's not qualified, well, everyone has to have their first coaching job somewhere. Somebody, even Nick Saban, somebody had to give him his first job. He had to be a first-time head coach at some point. So it's like, look, man, like, it's 2022. Why do we have to keep following the same methods and patterns and hiring processes that we followed 40 years ago, honestly? Now, let's get into the racy side of it. Because I have two questions. Number one, if this were, um, if it, if it wasn't Jeff Saturday, but it was a black head coach that was hired, like let's say Ryan Clark. Let's say they called Ryan Clark and hired him as interim coach. Would there be the same backlash about how it's not fair or they skirted the process or look what they did giving him an unqualified uh, person the job? Would there be that criticism? I think there would be, but the same people who are complaining about it now would be then saying, why is it a problem? They would be mad and they would be critical of the people criticizing the decision because saying, oh, it's because he's black. Do you see what I'm saying? I just think like this. Look, I think the reality is what the Colts did was hey we need a guy we think Jeff Saturday will be good apparently they've been offering him assistant coaching jobs for the last couple years and he's been turning them down probably because he said look man that's a lot of work the payoff isn't that great uh, I'm, I'm good where I'm at and then they came to him and said yo we'll make you the interim head coach we'll give you a chance to be the head coach see how it goes and then potentially hire you off of that and so we took it I'm not mad at that I think that's exactly what he should do. I'm just saying. So let's talk about Kevin Durant. So a couple years ago, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, big time free agency, they decided to go to Brooklyn and it fell apart immediately. First of all, Kevin Durant couldn't play year one because he was coming off the Achilles injury. So he was out the entire year. Then year two, they make the trade. They get James Harden. That falls apart. Injuries. Uh, COVID, it just, it fell apart it's immediately. Nobody's fault, it just fell apart. But now, after this offseason where Kevin Durant was was uh, calling for a trade, it's, it's not looking good. And now Kevin Durant is coming out and talking about, you know, calling out teammates, um, saying this is why I wanted to be traded because look at what's around. And then y'all, it's all going to fall on me when it goes bad. Everyone's going to look at me. But look at what I'm out there running with. That's why I asked for the trade, which <laughs> I get it 
but just sounds terrible because you're basically saying, hey, my team's bad and I'm the best player. So everybody's looking at me to do something to make it better, but I can't. So I want out. Let me go to a better team then where nobody's looking at me that way. Guess what, KD? That's exactly what you had. You had that in Golden State. Everybody who knows Kevin Durant says, look, Kevin Durant loves basketball. He just wants to play basketball. That's all he wants to do. Just play basketball. He don't want to worry about nothing else. He don't care about nothing else. He just likes to hoop. Well, guess what? In Golden State, you had that. You had that. You you could just show up, play basketball. All the pressure wasn't on you. You were putting up insane numbers. You were getting the championships. You were getting all this and that, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. So one of two things happened. Either A, you felt like you didn't get enough credit. Actually, three things. B, you felt like you really can't play with Draymond anymore. Like that, that's, you don't like him. You don't want to be around him. Or three, you really just made a decision to go play basketball with one of your good friends and, and Kyrie. Well, the problem is number one, after what happened in Boston, you should have known, hey, I know Kyrie's my homie and all that, but I just feel like he ain't, he not going to be reliable enough on the court to, for me to justify leaving this situation. And if you really didn't like Draymond that much, well, you know, Hey, man, dude, don't hang out with him. <laughs> but you had such a perfect situation in Golden State. And I think at this point, I think he's really starting. Maybe not to regret it, but starting to think, man, I wish I had that type of a situation. And also, let's not forget, he mocked the Knicks. Because, you know, there was at that offseason, there was a lot of conversation about both Kyrie and KD are going to be going to the Knicks. Strongly considering the Knicks, that's where they're going to go. It was the, there was the whole the whole conversation was that. And he kind of scoffed at it and laughed and said nobody was ever thinking of going to the Knicks. Well, that's what you get. Now you're cursed. <laughs> it's the Knicks curse. That's it for quick hits, man. So let's get into some... Uh, Let's get into some stuff. Let's uh, let's start with talking about that. Uh, oh, you know what? I didn't even tell you. The show is coming out late this week, um, and I apologize. So some of the stuff I'm going to be talking about is way after the fact. I'm recording this on Friday, and uh, it's going to be coming out same day. Um, but, 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 but. We do have to talk about the Bills-Vikings game from last weekend. Um, because there's two things that stood out to me the most, and they're probably the same thing that stood out to you. One is Justin Jefferson. Dude is good. Dude is really good. Dude is starting to separate himself as being one of the elite receivers in the NFL. I do think he's every bit as good as Cooper Cup because I think he can run great routes. I think he's got great hands. I think he's got athleticism. I think he's got all the things Cooper Cup has. The only thing he doesn't have yet is an offense that is literally every second of every play is designed for you to get it he's not there yet but he's getting there so that's number one but then also in that same vein i guess my question is now that he's starting to get all this praise for his catch that he made late in that game that big fourth down catch um is he gonna have the odell beckham thing happen where you get all this hype for a single play and then the expectations skyrocket and then you kind of become more of a celebrity and then you kind of get caught up in that lifestyle and kind of miss the on the field stuff. I do wonder if that would happen to him. I don't think so. But I mean, he's in Minnesota as opposed to New York. So I guess the market would dictate that a little bit. But it is a concern. It is something to look out for to say, hey, now that you're starting to become more of the guy. You know, which way do you go? Do you go the legendary route or do you kind of go the. 
you get a big head, get a little arrogant, kind of take your foot off the gas. The second thing, and the biggest, biggest takeaway for me in that game was Kirk Cousins is far better than he gets credit for. Because in that game late, he was dropping dimes. All the plays you saw Justin Jefferson making were dimes. I mean, the one one-handed catch he stole from the defender wasn't a dime, but hey, he put it in a spot where his guy could make a play. What more can you ask for on fourth down? But Kirk Cousins was dealing, man. He was in a zone. He was lights out. And I said um, before the year started, when I did my quarterback rankings, I said I expected Kirk Cousins to fall in higher than he did. Um, Because Kirk Cousins, man, has been playing well for a long time. I think his contract situation is crazy, and that always makes people think. But there's no reason why he shouldn't still be in Washington. There's no reason why they should have moved off him. None. They made a massive mistake. Because that guy is good. He's a good quarterback. And I always say, oh, look at his record in prime time. Well, you know what games get put in prime time? Really tough, really good games, really good matchups. You know what happens when you go into a football game? You got a 50-50 chance of winning. Like somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. And you can say, oh, he plays poor in prime time. Like if that's the knock on him, like whatever, and don't schedule me in prime time. <laughs> Super Bowl starts at six. That's not prime time. <laughs> I'm just saying, man, there's so much criticism on Kirk Cousins, but the dude is good, man. Dude is legit. Dude was dealing. On the other side, though, there's a lot of criticism now for Josh Allen. A lot of people talking about Josh Allen regressing. Is Josh Allen struggles a concern? Blah, 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 blah. I remember two or three weeks ago, the world being on fire for Josh Allen. Josh Allen's so good. Josh Allen's MVP. Has Josh Allen separated himself as the best quarterback? Who's better, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? Like, nothing but love. And then what happens? Had a, has a couple bad games. Starts to struggle a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, nobody thinks he's the best anymore. Did his talent go away? Oh, you thought he was the best based on the results. Not based on his actual ability to play, but how well the team is doing. Well, to me, that's not, that's what I mean. Like, that's not, that's not what you should be determining things by. It should not be about just the result of a win or a loss. Because look, man, there's so many factors that go into it. Like, for example, for example, I'm trying to think. Oh, your perfect example is, is last year in the playoffs. The Bills-Chiefs game. Nobody would blame Josh Allen for losing that game against the Chiefs in overtime. In fact, he got such little blame for that that they changed the rule. It wasn't last year. It was two years ago, right? Two years ago. That duel that they had. Was it last year? No, it was two years ago. Ah, you know what I'm talking about, though. He never got the ball in overtime, and everyone was like, oh, I wish you would have got the ball, blah, blah, blah. It's not on him. So that's a loss that's not on him. And when you look at it, like, yo, he did everything he was supposed to do. Right? So if you have enough of those, which in everybody's career, you're going to have plenty of those, especially as a quarterback. You're so limited into what you can impact. You can only impact offense. What about the Super Bowl? Uh, the Patriots versus um, the Eagles. And Tom Brady threw for a record number of yards in the Super Bowl. But, hey, guess what? Defense couldn't stop anybody. You lose the game. 
Like that's it happens, man. I just think the criticism for Josh Allen now is unwarranted if you're going to question how good he is as opposed to how well he's playing. And I think that's what that's the hang up for me. It's like you can question how good he's playing. You can't argue about how good he actually is. Because even great players have bad moments or great players have a bad streak. It doesn't change how good the player is. I don't care how poorly LeBron James is playing at any given moment or any given time. There is no question of how good he actually is at basketball. I don't care how badly Tom Brady is playing at a, at, for any stretch of games. There's no question of how good he is at football. I just think that that's, again, you're, that's the theme of today. Stop being so results-based. Judge guys on what they can do and what their ability is. And that's how you properly assess. Which perfectly leads me into my next topic. That's exactly why Dak Prescott is making $40 million a year. Because they paid Dak Prescott based on team success, not based on what he's actually able to do. Dak Prescott is not worth $40 million a year. He's not. Absolutely not. How do I know this? Well, because you had Cooper Rush come in. And Cooper Rush would cost you 1% of that. You Cooper Rush would play for $3 million a year. And he came in and didn't play any worse than Dak Prescott has played at any point of his career. Because you used him and you played based on what he can do. Not They didn't say, oh man, we're winning games with Cooper Rush. He's great. Let's start going out there and airing it out. They said, no, we know what Cooper Rush can do. So we will manage that. We won't try to say, oh, well, now that we won, let's give him more. It's like, no, no, no. Let's follow the formula. And I said it before. The problem with Dak Prescott is Dak Prescott's making $40 million a year. That's elite quarterback money. And he's not an elite quarterback. But because he's making the money, we need you to perform like an elite quarterback. But he's not able to. He's not capable. There's a reason why he got drafted that late. He got drafted in the fourth round. There's a reason. Because of his ability. Because if you were judging him based off what he did in his accomplishments in college, hey, man, look at his resume. Great accomplishments in college. But you don't judge him on that. You judge him on their ability. That's why you see certain guys like Ohio State quarterbacks. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to trash my school. (laughs) But I'm just saying. So you got Dak Prescott. He's a problem. I told you I was off him. I'm off it. I have no trust in the guy. I don't believe in the guy. Because guess what? You needed a play. You needed a play. You needed one. You had a 14-point lead. You need to make a play. You need to get a drive. You need to get a field goal. And over time, you get the ball first. You need a play. Fourth and four, you need a play. He can't deliver. He, personally, he can't. Bouncing throws, overthrows, interceptions. The guy is no good. He's slightly better than Baker Mayfield. (laughs) It's remarkable. And also, another problem that was exposed in that game is the run defense is, is a real problem. 
I know early in the year they're like, well, they don't really have to because, you know, what happens is blah, 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 blah. Teams aren't like, no, it's a real problem. It's been a real problem. See, here's the thing. Most teams that have a great pass rush usually don't have a great run defense. And the reason being is obvious because they have a great pass rush because they're loaded with pass rushers, which are usually lighter, faster, more agile guys. Guys that can be had if you just run straight at them and use your muscle. That's all it is. They don't have bohemus in the middle at defensive tackle. They have like, you know, undersized guys who are quick and fast and can get to the quarterback. Well, that works perfectly fine if your offense is putting up great numbers. Like, for example, um, Kansas City has that. Kansas City doesn't have a great run defense. They don't have to. They got an offense that can put up a bunch of points, which is putting pressure on you. So now you have to pass the ball. So now our athletes can get to the quarterback. And that's how they play. The Cowboys have built their defense to be a pressure attacking defense. But the problem is, is your offense ain't putting up no numbers. Because, again, your quarterback is asked to be elite and he's not. He can't be. Now, mind you, I don't blame Dak Prescott for any of that. I don't blame him for not being elite. Like, it's not his fault. He's not elite. You asking him to be, he never said he was. But I'm not going to turn down the money. But again, same thing with Lamar Jackson. When you're negotiating the contract, you're trying to say, well, look at what the team has done under me. Look at what I've done. Look at my record. It's like, bro, but you're not the only one responsible for the record. And if I pay you based on the team's record, well, the team's going to get worse around you. And now it's going to fall on you. And what you're going to do is come back crying to me saying, well, the team is bad. I need help. Well, we ain't got no money now because you took all the money because you took all the credit for the help you had. See, full circle. If Dak Prescott had taken the $30 million offer, he would have a better receiver probably at this point. He would have upgrades on the defensive line probably. Like, there's only so much you can do with the little space you have. So when you have free agency, you got to go. We got to go cheap. We're going to go cheap and then we're going to draft guys because that's how you keep your salary cap low. And then when you have really good draft picks like a Michael Parsons, well, we got to pay him. So when we got to pay him, we got to let somebody go. It's the reason why Randy Gregory's not here. Now, I'm not saying Randy Gregory would have made all the difference, but what I am saying is like you have to make budget cuts. Just saying. It's food for thought. Which just brings up, you know, I'm glad I'm doing this on Friday because I got to watch the Titans and the Packers play last night. And then and the talk going into it after the Cowboys game was the Packers have figured out their formula and da 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 and this is how they play and what an amazing thing. They look so good. Maybe this is a launching pad for their young receivers. Like, nope. What it is, is they ran the ball as much as they did because they knew Dallas can't stop the run. So let's not be dumb here. Let's run the ball against this team that can't stop the run. And then when we can't stop the run, we could play action. Now, all of a sudden, it's wide open because they got to go man up because they got to put help in the box to try to stop the run. That's just simple math. That's simple football. So now the next week, when that run defense and the Titans is a little bit better, you can't run it the same way. Well, now we don't have to stack the box to stop your run because we could do that with our base front. Now we can have guys in coverage making it tougher for you and your young receivers to get open. Ta-da! 
So even during the broadcast, they were like, oh, we thought, you know, maybe the Cowboys game, they figured some out it was a launching pad, but I guess not. Maybe it was a, you know, aberration. Aberration. Ah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. But again, they saw the game and they gave all the praise and they got it, blah, 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 blah. And then you realize, oh, no, they're still bad. Green Bay is still bad. Cowboys run defense is just worse. And Cowboys quarterback can't get it done when you really need him to. How many times do you need to see it? Also, I want to make a statement here. And this is a statement I'm going to make. And uh, I know there's probably a lot of people that agree. Um, The Philadelphia Eagles are the most overrated football team I've ever seen. I know that may not be true, but they are the most overrated football team. And again, this is another one that is simply, they were only praised because of their undefeated record. They weren't blowing everybody out. They weren't blowing the doors off. Jalen Hurts isn't putting up amazing numbers. None of it. He was oh, MVP because they were winning. That's it. His numbers aren't MVP level. He's not a top quarterback in the NFL. No way. This team is 100% a one-and-done playoff team. They're going to make the playoffs because they already have, what, eight, nine wins? Nine wins, I think. So they're going to make the playoffs. There's no question about it. They're going to make the playoffs. They're not They're not winning a game in the playoffs. I'm going to say it right now. They're not going to win a game in the playoffs. They're going to be one and done. And it's all for not. This team's not very good. They're not good. I know the talk about the NFC East is great. The Eagles, not as good as their record indicates. They're beating up on a bunch of bad teams. If you, if you, come on, if you make Jalen Hurts have to beat you, you're, you're good. Um, they struggled against the Cowboys with their backup quarterback for a long time. Like that game was closer than it needed to be. If you are the team you claim to be. The Giants, they're not as good as the record would indicate either. Like they're beating some bad teams. They're winning some close games. Things are going their way. They're having a great year. You know, whatever. The Cowboys, they're not as good as their record indicates either. Like you see the pattern. You know what I mean? When when the Commanders are the worst team by far in your division and they're not far off from the other three teams, that just lets you know they're all about the same. If you think the Commanders are bad, Eagles are barely better than the Commanders. So are the Cowboys and so are the Giants. All of them have glaring holes. All of them have quarterback issues. All of them have holes in their defense. Like that's just come on now. If you watch that Eagles team and you think that that team is going to go far and make a playoff run, you think that team's really good? Like, no way. No way. Please. I might even have them losing this week. Are they even playing this week? I don't know. (laughs) I just wanted to get that out the way. But now it is time for the main event. Okay? Because, you know what? Do I want to do this or do I want to talk boxing first? You know what, let's talk boxing first because I feel like, you know, my main event topic might be, you know, meh, might be a little heated. <laughs> um, so over the over the past weekend, uh, Floyd Mayweather had his exhibition fight versus Deji. Um, it was a DAZN pay-per-view event. I checked it out, and I'm going to say this. Wouldn't absolute embarrassment of a whole entire event 
the entire event was garbage. 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 It was so bad from the audio, from the 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 pre-fight weights and all that stuff. It was just bad. It looked like a company's first time trying to throw a, a, a big boxing event and they were trying to follow like what HBO used to do in Showtime. They're following that template, but like it's not as refined. Like it hasn't been perfected the way they have. So like it was almost like, hey, we're just like that. We're going to do what they do. But like it's like the generic version. It was bad. It was bad. So let's start by talking about the main event. So the main event uh, was Floyd Mayweather versus Deji. First of all, between the co-main event and the main event was an insanely long time. An insanely long wait. And during that time, they had to stall. So they were doing interviews with different guys and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it was a weird thing because the event was pretty much like an influencer boxing event. But like, we also want to have real boxing matches on here too. So it was like this weird mashup. But like, the people they were talking to were like not the real fighters. It was like influencer fighters. And it's like, yo, nobody cares about these bozos. Nobody cares. I guess somebody cares. <laughs> I didn't care. As a boxing fan who wanted to see, who didn't even want to see it, but I knew I had to watch it because, hey, this is my job, so I got to report on it. It's important. It was it was bad. It was a bad, bad broadcast. Bad. Then the fight itself was embarrassing because Floyd Mayweather absolutely embarrassed that kid, Deji, and showed that there is a wide gap between a boxer who who has been doing this and where the YouTube influencer scene is. And Deji against Fousey, Fousey, whoever it was that he fought last time, could look great and look impressive and look like, whoa, he could really fight. But then you put him up against a real boxer and it's not even close. It's not even close. And it's not. it wasn't even close and Floyd Mayweather wasn't even trying to do it wasn't even trying he was effortlessly dancing around joking cheering on the crowd talking to people talking to deji like almost coaching him up as he was doing it throwing soft punches walking straight ahead like it was it was like i'll put it to you this way deji got his ass beat by a guy who wasn't trying to beat his ass That's how wide, it's like, Floyd Mayweather in that fight didn't even box, he didn't try to do nothing tactical, he just was there. Like, let's have some fun, let's put on a show. And then, uh, so it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing for Floyd, because like, man, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. But I think he did it, because I think after the Logan Paul fight, I think the conversation was, yo, he did pretty good, he did pretty good, he couldn't, he didn't get knocked, Floyd didn't knock him out. And that always bothered me, because, you know, even during the telecast, they're like, oh, Floyd can knock him out anytime he wants to. It's like Floyd's never been a one-punch knockout guy. He's never been that. The dude came in and weighed like 153 pounds. Bro, like, that's like 50 years. Like, he can't gain weight. <laughs> He's little. He's not one-punch knocking nobody out. He never has. He don't have that kind of power. What he is is he has accuracy and he has speed. And over the course of a fight, yeah, I can get it. He couldn't knock out McGregor, right? Like, he don't have that kind of power. 
So for all these like commentators to be like, oh, he's going to knock this guy out. Like, bro, it's not knockout or bust. Sometimes you don't have to knock a guy out to win a fight or to beat somebody up. I hate it. It's one of the things that bothers me the most about this influencer scene is everything is like every time they predict a fight, oh, I think someone's going to win my knockout. Like every Jake Paul fight is, oh, either Jake Paul's going to get knocked out or Jake Paul's going to knock somebody out. It's like, bro, that's not how fights go. Only Deontay Wilder has that kind of thing where like, no, like he's knocking somebody out or he's going to get knocked out. (laughs) That's the way that goes. But not everybody has that. Sometimes fights go to the cards. I didn't think the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight was going to end in a knockout. I didn't. But like that was everyone's prediction, but it's so annoying. Like Floyd doesn't have that kind of power. He never he's never been that guy. But when he goes in there and shows you like even against Logan Paul, like I'm fighting a guy that's like 70 pounds heavier than me. Or I guess what was it? Like 40, 40 pounds heavier? Like 40 pounds heavier than me. Like, damn near a foot taller than me. Like, bro. And I still, like, won convincingly and, like, handled them easily? All right, let me show y'all something. And then he came in and he beat the hell out of him. Even in the post-fight when they were asking him, like, how good do you think he is? Do you think he could be a legitimate, you know, title contender if he keeps going? Floyd never said, yeah. He said he's a hell of a competitor. That's what he says when, like, he knows somebody trash, but he's not going to tell you you trash. That's just trash. I ain't, gonna, I ain't never gonna win a title. Go back to fighting influencers and stay in that division and in that league and do that thing and that's it. Speaking of influencers, of course, Jake Paul was a part of the event somehow because Tommy Fury was fighting. So they brought Jake Paul in to commentate. And of course, he's trashing Tommy Fury. Look at his opponents, blah, blah, blah. Who is he beat? He's never fought anybody. Meanwhile, neither has, you know, neither has Jake Paul. But then after the fight, Tommy Fury's father, um, John Fury, runs over and starts, rips his shirt off, is yelling at Jake. Tommy Fury saying, get in the ring right now. Jake Paul's like, well, come here. I'm right here. Come fight me. He pretends like he's going to go through the rope. And it is literally the most cringy, terrible, obvious, like, promotional stunt ever. First of all, you don't bring Jake Paul to, to Dubai to watch Tommy Fury fight and ask him to commentate unless you want them to try to build up some sort of hype for the fight. It's but it's obvious and it's dumb. No, not we don't care about Tommy Fury. Like fight fans who want Jake Paul to start fighting boxers, we're not saying Tommy Fury is the like. No, we don't care. Tommy Fury ain't no good neither. I'll tell you right now, Jake Paul beats Tommy Fury and probably does it easily. Right. Like like we know that. Right. Nobody's convinced. Nobody thinks otherwise. Correct. OK, cool. Now, on top of that, put in uh, then on top of that, Jake Paul again tries to promote the fight with uh, Nate Diaz. Starts talking trash with Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz, smacks somebody, whatever. He's there, too. And then Jake Paul also does a face to face with Andrew Tate. Which, again, those three options, if those are your next fights, everyone would say, well, he should fight Nate Diaz because the hype and the pay-per-view and blah, 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 and the sales, and that would be a really competitive fight. If he's going to fight Andrew, Andrew Tate's not a boxer. He's not a He's not even, he's not an active fighter anymore. And he was a kickboxer. What the hell is that doing for you in your career? Where does that take, how does that get you closer to a title fight? 
It doesn't. How does fighting Nate Diaz get you closer to a title fight? It doesn't. How does fighting Tommy Fury get you closer to a title fight? It doesn't. It just proves that he doesn't really want to box anybody. He just wants to take fights that are going to gain interest and hype and money. And then hopefully he can generate enough hype that he can call out someone like Canelo and can Canelo could bring him into the ring so he can have a massive event, a massive payday and ride off into the sunset with the participation trophy. How do I know? Because they gave it to Deji. They said Deji was landed a hit on Floyd Mayweather and gave him a black eye. So it's boxing. Floyd, Floyd was, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not giving this any more of my time. I'm done. I'm sorry. Listen, I apologize. Honestly, I took that much time talking about it. The event was trash. It was bogus. I'm done with that. On to real boxing news. Uh, it was announced yesterday that Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia are going to fight. Done deal. Contract signed. Everything's a go. And now I just got an alert this morning saying that Ryan Garcia might take a fight in January as a tuna, a little tune-up fight before the eventual fight with Tank, which apparently is scheduled for April. And I got to tell you, I'm excited for this fight. And thank you, boxing. Thank you. Ryan Garcia has been calling for this fight for a while. Tank Davis has been saying he's not scared, like Ryan Garcia is not ready. It's a mega fight. And I've said it before, it should be on like Amazon Prime or a streaming service, but whatever. I, you know, I'm thinking outside the box. It's going to be on pay-per-view. It's going to do crazy numbers. It's going to be a great fight. I think the conversation that people keep saying about Ryan Garcia is going to lose, I think it's bogus. Here's what I think. Ryan Garcia is much taller, much taller than Tank Davis. I think Ryan Garcia is also much faster than Tank. And I think Ryan Garcia is a lot stronger than people realize. I think he hits a lot harder than people realize. And I think when Tank gets in there, I think he's going up against the bigger guy, a naturally bigger guy as far as taller. He's got heavy hands, super quick hands, too. And I think he's a good boxer. And I think he's working with the right coach. Right. So I think what you're going to see is Ryan Garcia really wants this fight. And I don't think he wants it for the money. I think because he wants to prove something to himself. And I think that's why I'm picking Ryan Garcia to win this fight. I think Tank will fight for the money, for the right check, for the right whatever. But I think Ryan Garcia wants this fight specifically to prove to himself that he could do it. To prove to himself how tough he actually is. To prove to himself how good he actually is. I don't think this is a money grab for him. I don't think this is a, hey, let me get a big payday and then whatever is whatever. I think this means something to him personally. Right? I think with his his mental health issues, I think with his um, his absences, I think with the criticism about him, I think all of that makes him want this fight for a personal reason. And I think he will be locked in and ready to go in a way that he never has been. I think we are going to see the greatest Ryan Garcia. Now, I think Tank Davis is also really good. Tank is really good. I know I poo-poo on him, but he's really good. He could box too. But I think what you're going to have is if you have a guy who has the physical advantages over you, I think it's going to be a tough night. And I think Tank, in all of his fights, especially recently, has just basically relied on the fact that he could overwhelm you with power. Like even, I always say, imagine what would have happened if Leo Santa Cruz had power. It would have been over for Tank Davis. The only thing, the only reason why Tank was able to win that fight is because Santa Cruz couldn't hurt him. And since he couldn't hurt him, he was able to walk his way in, find his spot, and throw a power shot and take him out. 
But even against uh, Barrios, if Barrios could hit, like that would have been over. Uh, even against Roley, Roley could hit, but he can't buy. He's stupid. He can't buy. He got sloppy and ran into a shot. But without that knockout punch, that fight's really close. That fight's really close. If that goes to the cards, that's a really close fight that he might actually lose. But he's got that equalizer and that power. But the problem is, is you have Ryan Garcia who is so focused on this that I don't think he's going to lose control and run into nothing. And I think that um, you're going to get the best version of him. So I think I'm picking right now. I'm picking Ryan Garcia. I think Ryan Garcia wins the fight. I always have. I always will. They're fighting at a 136 catchweight. I don't really think that matters. I think that's fine. I don't think that's a big deal. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's a big deal. But I'm excited for that fight. Thank you, Boxing. Thanks for making it happen. Thank you, Ryan Garcia. Thank you, Tank, for taking on these challenges. Because guess what? Whoever loses this fight, if the fight's good, we're getting a rematch. And we want one. If the fight's completely one-sided, hey, man, whoever wins, whatever. But the loser doesn't lose anything. If Tank loses, his career is not over. His reputation is not tarnished. It don't matter. What a great thing for taking the fight. Take the fight. We just want to see the best fight the best. That's what made boxing so popular was you were seeing these great matchups. I said it last week. Boxing doesn't need a star. Boxing needs great fights. Give us the great fights and we will love these guys for their heart. Nobody wants to follow a guy because he talks good trash. We want to follow him because he's got heart. Because Adrian Broner talked trash with the best of them. He ain't got no heart. Nobody wants to watch Adrian Broner now. That's why he's not getting no fights. Nobody wants to watch that. We've seen you in too many big fights, not throw no punches and just try to sit there and look pretty and then talk trash about how you won. Nobody want to watch that no more. We we love guys with heart, guys that are going to get in there and mix it up. It's the reason why Manny Pacquiao didn't lose not one ounce of popularity when he got dominated by Floyd Mayweather. Because he'll go in there and show heart. Anyway. So let's get to, uh, like I said, my main event for today. Let's rewind the clock, okay? Let's rewind it. I said in the beginning of last NFL season, there was a major trade that happened. And the Rams sent Jared Goff to the Lions in exchange for uh pick. Wait, I think they gave up some picks, Jared Goff, and they got in return Matthew Stafford. And I came on here and I said, doesn't it kind of seem like you just swapped your quarterback for the same quarterback? And everyone was like, oh, you're crazy. Matthew Stafford is so much better than Jared Goff. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, I'm not saying Jared Goff is better, but I am saying he's the same guy. <laughs> like, they're the same player. Like, when I think of Jared Goff and I think of Matthew Stafford, they are the same guy. Same player. Both drafted number one. Both had big hype coming out in their draft class. They're the same player. And then last year, I had to watch as Matthew Stafford had a great year. As Matthew Stafford went into the playoffs, played really well in the playoffs, got to a Super Bowl, and then won the Super Bowl. And I had to come in and say, hey, I was wrong. And in my heart, I knew, you're not wrong, but I can't pretend like I didn't watch him win a Super Bowl. So I guess they made the right choice. 
But then this year comes. And Matthew Stafford looks like Matthew Stafford has always looked. No different. And oddly looks just like Jared Goff did after his Super Bowl run with the Rams. And quiet as is kept, Jared Goff is 100% outplaying Matthew Stafford this year. 100% playing better than Matthew Stafford right now. 100% outplaying him. Then I started saying, hmm. I wonder. Maybe. Maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe they are the same guy. Then I started thinking, wait a second. That Super Bowl last year for the Rams came down to a pivotal play. And that was the uh, the holding call on the um, the linebacker for the Bengals, which wasn't a hold. And then Stafford had to make a throw to Cooper Cup to get the dub. And he made it. And then I said, oh, man, that was the difference in the game. But wait a second. Rewind to when Jared Goff was in the Super Bowl. He had a wide open receiver. I believe it was Cooks. Wide open. In the back of the end zone, he had to make a throw. God, he was just off. Just overthrew it. If he completes that pass, Jared Goff is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. One Super Bowl, just like Matthew Stafford. So I started saying, okay. So if I'm a believer in A, sometimes it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't. That's just the way sport works. Then I can't really hold it against either one. I mean, Goff should have made the throw. I think he makes that nine times out of ten. That just happened to be that one time he wasn't going to make it. So then I started saying, well, you know, let me look at their numbers. Let's look at this year. Matthew Stafford is completing 68%. For 1,928 yards, a 6.8 yards per attempt average, 8 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, an 84.9 rating, and a 47.5 QBR. He's not doing much. And he just lost Cooper Cup for the year, so expect those numbers to go down a bit. Goff, on the other hand, is completing 64% of his passes. For 2,277 yards, 7.6 yards per attempt average, 15 touchdowns, 7 picks, 93.7 rating, 54.3 QBR. So he's having a better year. So then I started saying, well, hold up. Because I remember everyone said you had to trade Jared Goff because he was terrible. And now I'm thinking, hmm, what was Jared Goff's numbers the year that he got traded? So he played the season, got traded in the offseason. What was his stats that year? Jared Goff completed 67% of his passes that year for 3,952 yards with a 7.2 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, and a 90 quarterback rating and a 50.8 QBR. Those numbers aren't horrible. Those numbers aren't you need to be traded. And if you think they are, then let me repeat. Well, actually, if you think those numbers are worthy of getting traded, let me let me let's compare what the projected stat line for Matthew Stafford this year is going to be in comparison to what Jared Goff's year in 2020 was when he got traded. So Stafford is projected to complete 68 percent of his throws. That's one percentage point higher than Goff did when he got traded. He's projected to get 36 
3,642 yards. That's 300 yards less than Goff did when he got traded. He's supposed to, he's projected to have a 6.8 yards per attempt average. That's lower than Goff's 7.2 when he got traded. He's projected to have 15 touchdowns. That's five less than Goff had when he got traded. He's projected to have 15 interceptions. That's two more than 13 that Goff had when he got traded. And his QBR is projected to stay around 84.9, which is six percentage points lower than Goff's was when he got traded. So if Goff's 2020 was worthy of getting traded, then where does Matthew Stafford stand now? And more importantly than that, those numbers are almost identical. They're the same guy. Jared Goff is every bit as good of a quarterback as Matthew Stafford is. 1,000%. Their careers are just in reverse. So Jared Goff started his career with a better team, was able to have more team success, and now is going to a bad team where he'll probably die off into obscurity. Matthew Stafford started with a bad franchise and was toiling in mediocrity and then got to finish his career with a really good team and get some dubs. But if you still don't believe me that they're the same guy, here is the proof. Definitive proof they are the same player. For their careers, and Matthew Stafford has played much longer, so we're just going to go with averages, okay? For his career, Matthew Stafford completes 63% of his passes. Guess how much Jared Goff completes? You guessed it, 64. One percentage point separates the two. I know, doesn't matter. How about their yards per attempt? That's a stat everybody seems to love. Stafford for his career is 7.3. Guess what Jared Goff is? 7.4. Are you joking? They're the same. Still not convinced? Okay, let's look at their quarterback rating. For his career, Matthew Stafford is 90.8. What is Jared Goff? You guessed it, 91.7. One percentage point difference. They're the same. Oh, still not convinced. Here's the real kicker. Because here's what we really care about. Touchdown to interception ratio. Right? That's what we care about. How many touchdowns versus turnovers? What's your ratio? Stafford for his career, 1.95. What is Jared Goff's? You guessed it, 2.0. Ring, ding, 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 ding. They're the same. They're the same. It's not just me. It can't be me. It can't, I'm not crazy. It can't just be me. You cannot sit here and tell me that they are not the same guy. Hey, L.A., you traded your quarterback for the same quarterback. You know what the difference was? In the Super Bowl, the quarterback made the throw this time. Guess what? Matthew Stafford makes that throw 9 out of 10 times. But there's going to come a time where he makes the throw and misses it. And it doesn't complete and you lose. If they don't call that defensive holding, that wasn't a defensive holding, you lose the Super Bowl. It came down to a play. Last time, didn't make the play. This time, you made the play. If Jared Goff is in the Super Bowl last year for the Rams, I 1,000% think it goes the same way. 
They are the same guy. <laughs> the numbers bear out. 63 to 64%, 7.3 to 7.4 yards per attempt, 90.8 to 91.7 QB rating, 1.95 to 2.0 touchdown to interception ratio for their careers. They're the same. So, no. <laughs> I won't come in here and say, oh, yeah, Stafford is much better, blah, 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 blah. I'm not saying one's better than the other. They are the same. And when you traded for for Matthew Stafford and you gave up Jared Goff and I came in and said, hey, doesn't it just kind of seem like they just swap, but like the result will be the same? Guess what? Guess what? When, When Jared Goff played in L.A., they made the playoffs. When he went to Detroit, he didn't. When Matthew Stafford was in Detroit, he didn't make the playoffs. When he went to L.A., he did. They just swapped. They flippity-floppity, topsy-turvy, they switched and they flipped. That's They're the same guy. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Everyone loves Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's not elite. Matthew Stafford's not the best quarterback in the stadium. No, he's not. He's not better. He's not better. He's not better than Justin Herbert. He's not. He's okay. He's pretty good. But guess who else is pretty good? Jared Goff. Pretty good. Because guess what? He's out playing him right now. And he don't have a receiver like Cooper Cup. And he doesn't have an offensive genius for a head coach like Sean McVay. He don't have that. Hey, hey, hey. He don't have it. <laughs> okay? And he's still having a better year than Matthew Stafford. In every category except for completion percentage. And he's only four completion percentage points worse. 64, still pretty good. 68, really good. But guess what? In the year that you decided he just had to be traded, he completed 67. So I guess Matthew Stafford is on the trading block, everybody. Hey, after the year, because guess what? The Rams ain't going to make the playoffs. After the year, he'll be traded too, I guess. Maybe they'll trade him for Kirk Cousins, another guy who's exactly the same. (laughs) And then I can sit here and yell all next season about how you traded Matthew Stafford for Kirk Cousins and you got the same guy in return. Oh, man. Does it feel good to be right? Yes. Do I know you're probably still going to sit there and tell me I'm wrong? Yes. But I'm right. (laughs) I'm right. Argue it if you wish. I'm right. Ooh, man. That feels good. That feels good. I love when, when you see something. And you and you think like, oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm over exaggerating. And then you do the research and you look it up and you realize, nope. It it you know you know what amazes me the most is that if you ask if you went on the street and you asked ten people who's better, Matthew Stafford or Jared Goff, ten out of ten people are gonna say Matthew Stafford without hesitation. But the reality is, they're the same. They're exactly the same. Exactly the same. Except Matthew Stafford got to play with Megatron. And then after Megatron, he got to play with Cooper Cup. Like, Jared Goff just started playing with Cooper Cup and then got traded. And then he went to Detroit and there's no Megatron there. Oh, man. What a world. All right, let's get into picks. Oh, man. I got to come down a little bit. Let me calm down before I start screaming. 
breaking stuff. <laughs> okay. So, everybody knows next week is the big game, Michigan-Ohio State. And I'm going to be honest with you. If the episode next week is 50 minutes, uh, 40 of them will be me going off about that game. So, I'm not going to touch too much on it now. But what I will say is this. Michigan is playing Illinois. And I think because of the game next week, I think they're going to have a tough start to this game. I think this game is going to start off a little rough, a little ugly, but ultimately Michigan pulls away and they beat Illinois. Um, UCLA is playing USC. I do not believe USC is very good. Uh, I think their defense is bad. I think they will get exposed by a good team. I think UCLA beats USC and not only beats them, but I think they do it comfortably. I got Utah throwing salt in the wounds of Oregon and beating Oregon because I think Utah is going to slow it way down. I think Utah's defense is good enough to stop the run and make Bo Nix have to win the game. And I think when he doesn't have the benefit of play action and that kind of deception, then I think that's when he reverts back to what he was at Auburn and you start seeing the mistakes happen. So I like Utah to beat Oregon. I like Louisville to beat North Carolina State. I've said it all year. North Carolina State is super limited. Uh, not very good. I'm not sure why they're still ranked. Uh, but I like Louisville to beat them probably handily. And then Ohio State, Maryland, same thing. Um, same thing as Michigan. I think with the game next week looming, I think they start off a little slow, um, a little distracted, maybe looking like, uh-oh, this could be bad. Maybe the dream matchup, undefeated teams is ruined. But I think ultimately they get it done. Uh, I think they pull away late. But again, it'll be a struggle in the beginning. I think for both Michigan and Ohio State, with the importance of next week, I think they'll both start a little slow. Ohio State will probably struggle a little more than Michigan. Michigan gets ranked above Ohio State. They jump them for the game, giving Ohio State a little a little extra juice for next week. But we'll talk about next week. We'll see if I'm right. You know what? I'll put that one on record right now. Michigan jumps Ohio State this week in the rankings. They go to number two. Michigan falls to number... I mean, they go to number two. Ohio State moves to number three. That's going to be my prediction for this week. Okay. In the NFL, I'm going to tell you right now, upset heavy this week. I'm picking the underdogs almost every game. There's only one game I'm picking the favorite. My first uh, underdog pick is the Eagles are favored by seven over the Colts. I'm taking the Colts in the points. I think the Colts... First of all, I think the Eagles are extremely overrated. But I also think the Colts are that kind of team. I think they're going to run the ball. I think they're going to have success with that. I think what Jeff Saturday has done is probably going to like try to just make it simple. Because I don't think there's any pressure on him to do anything. So I don't think he's going to try to reinvent the wheel. I think he's going to kind of take it back to the basics. And I think you saw it against the Raiders. And of course, the Raiders aren't very good. But like still, I think you saw like let's Matt Ryan's back in the starting line. Like, let's not be stupid. Sam Ellinger is not better than Matt Ryan right now. Like, play your best quarterback. All right? But, so I think the games. I don't think the Eagles are going to cover the seven points. I'm not saying the Colts are going to win, but I think they cover the seven points. The Lions are playing the Giants. You know how I feel about the Giants. I don't think any of the NFC East, team, NFC East teams are very good. And I think the Lions are better than their record indicates. And you know my guys, Jared Goff. They got a good running game. They could throw the ball. Their defense has been up and down. But I think against the Giants, I think their defense is good enough to keep them in the game. Uh, it's three points. Giants are favored by three. I'm taking the three points. I like the Lions to outright win. But I'll take the three points. 
Um, Vikings plus one and a half uh, versus the Cowboys. So the Cowboys are favored by one and a half against the Vikings. I know the general consensus is that coming off of that emotional win against Buffalo, Vikings are going to take a step back. The Cowboys coming off an emotional loss are going to kind of step up or whatever, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? The reality is the Cowboys' path to the playoffs is the division. And on Thursday, Thanksgiving, they're going to be playing, guess who? The Giants. I don't think this game really matters to them. Okay, and they're going to be playing after the Giants. So if the Giants lose, they drop the six and four. If the Cowboys lose, they drop the six and four, or maybe they drop the six and three. But either way, they'll be separated by a game. Cowboys can make up the game in the division and in the standings. Then very like three days later. So I think I'm taking the Vikings to outright win. I think the Vikings beat the Cowboys. I think the run game for the Cowboys is a serious issue. I think them knowing that they have a quick turnaround against an opponent who actually means more to them, I think means something. I like the Vikings to I like the Vikings in the points. Uh, the Bengals are favored by four against the Steelers. Um, you know how I feel about Kenny Pickett. You also know how I feel about the number one quarterback in the NFL in Joe Burrow. I think they cover the four. I think they win by much more than four. I think it's kind of an ugly game. I think it's a blowout. Um, the The Chiefs are favored by five against the Chargers. Now, the Chargers have injuries. Their offense is so decimated that it, it's, it's hard for me to even believe that Justin Herbert is getting anything for praise for doing even... Oh, excuse me, for doing even what he's doing. But here we go. Conventional wisdom says Chiefs win the game, favored by five. They probably win by more than five. Not me. I like the Chargers. I'm taking the Chargers in the points. I think the Chargers cover the five-point spread. I think the game is closer. I think this is a division rival. I think when you're playing in the division, records and stuff don't matter as much. You know each other so well. Hey, man, that's just like you just know. Okay, and so I like the charges to cover that. That's my time, y'all. Look, I appreciate you coming through. Uh, this week was a a little a little crazy. Um, you know, I'm doing it late again. I'm redoing the ceiling in my living room. Ceiling was coming down. I had to redo it. So doing a lot of home remodeling again. I know. Uh, but listen, I had to make sure I got a show out. Um, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Um, everybody that reached out asking where the show was. Look, my bad. My apologies. Uh, I'm trying to get my social media figured out because I've been very inconsistent posting. But that's just because, you know, life happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, you get caught up doing other stuff or whatever. But look, I'm trying to get it all figured out to have a nice, consistent schedule. Um, Thursday, listen, nothing is changing. This week was just a little off. Actually, something is going to be changing. Uh, in two weeks, actually a week from Tuesday, I'm going to be having back surgery. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be out. I'm going to miss a week. So what I'm going to do is give you a special episode. Okay. Um, I'll figure out what I'm going to do, but I'll get a special episode. I'll get it recorded. I'll get it scheduled to come out. I'll still be out on that Thursday after I have surgery. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's a housekeeper. Listen, we'll get into that next week. Uh, listen, thank y'all for coming through. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for checking up on me. Thank y'all for being supporters. Listen, follow me on all social media, cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. I appreciate y'all. I'll see y'all next week.